0: We're going to continue with our study of the word that we've been looking at for some time. In the Old Testament, we have come to a new book. Moses has died, and he has been buried on Mount Nebo. And there is a young man that is to take his place. Now, this young man started out with Moses back in Egypt 40 years ago. And I was thinking with what I'm going to share today, if you had a chance to do a do-over for a day in your life, where would you use it? If you had a chance to do a do-over for a day in your life, where would you use it? Would you correct a bad mistake Or would you enjoy a special moment in your life again? You know, I I can tell you of many mistakes that I've made where I would like to have a do-over. I can remember some great days in my life that were very special to me. The day when my wife and I Got married. It was a very special day. In golf, friends will sometimes allow a friend to take a mulligan. You know what that is? And uh, you are ready to tee off, and for some reason, you hit it wrong and it slices off into the woods. And if you're just playing for fun, your friend might say, I'll give you a mulligan on this hole. Which means you can take that shot over again without it being counted against you. Sports fans understand that the start of each new season brings with it the ability to start completely over and put any woes of the prior season in the past and replace them with hope of a better season. Go Seahawks. Some of the best entrepreneurs look back at a time when they failed and were forced to start over as that key moment that led to their success later on. The book of Joshua here in the Old Testament is a do-over that God granted the next generation of Israelites after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of the unbelief and the disobedience of the previous generation. But what they would do that their parents and their grandparents had failed to do would determine their future. Would they trust God and follow his commands Or like their parents and their grandparents, would they hesitate in being obedient to God and not have faith to trust God completely? Because of their parents' and grandparents' disobedience and lack of faith, God forced that generation to wander in the wilderness until all of them, except Joshua and Caleb had died off. Every man over the age of 20 was going to perish in that wilderness, except for Joshua and Caleb. Now it was time for the next generation to follow God in faith, just as God had called the previous generation to follow him. And once again, God revealed his presence And his power to the people. But this generation would do what their parents and grandparents had failed to do. They actually trusted God. And in one day, everything is about to change in their lives. You see, up until this time, they were nomads wandering in the wilderness. Going around and around that desert. Their food supply was manna that fell from heaven every day, except on the seventh day. On the sixth day, they were to gather a double portion of it. And God supplied their food every day for the last 40 years. Their clothes and their sandals did not wear out. I told Bethany this morning that she only needed two pairs of clothes when she goes to England this fall. One for the summer and one for the winter. Well, it actually with the Israelites, it seems to be that their clothes didn't wear out. They're wearing the same sandals that they wore when they started that trek into the wilderness. They were led by a pillar of fire by nighttime, a cloud by day, And for 40 years it was the same meal, the same routine, the same visible evidence of God being with them. And now they come to a place in their lives when God says, it's time for a change. It's now time for you to enter into my purposes. So with that scripture that Lynn just shared with us, there's a time for everything under heaven. Time to plant, time to uproot. A time to laugh, a time to refrain from laughing. A time to dance, a time not to dance. A time to rejoice together, a time to refrain from that. And here in the life of the Israelites, It's a new season. It's a new time to take the land that God had given to them to inhabit. He says, there's no more manna going to fall from heaven. You will eat of the fruit of the land. But in order for you to receive what I have to offer you, there will be some battles to fight. But I will be with you. I will give you victory, but you will have to engage the enemy and take the land. We sometimes want God to do everything for us, don't we? God will be faithful to give us what we need, however, He will not give us what He instructs us to do ourselves. So when you recall when Jesus left this earth, he gave a commission and a commandment to the disciples and to all who would follow him. He says, you go into all the world. You take the gospel. And here's what I've heard when, since I was a kid growing up. When I was a kid, we had three services a week. We had service on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We had service on Wednesday night. Wednesday night was an unusually boring time for me because everybody was expected to testify, to share what God had done in their life that week, and then they, we would kneel down at our seats and we would pray for about a half an hour. Some people prayed well, some people did not. Some people, when they testified all they did was share about how they painted the house this week and they would go on and on about how they painted the house. And you're thinking, why am I here? And I would hear this prayer repeatedly. Lord, you know all about the sinners out there in the world. Bring them in. And I realized later on that was completely backward from what God had told us to do. They're praying, Lord, you bring them in. God says, I'm sending you into the world. You take the gospel. You preach to people. You share with them about my love. And the church had it kind of backwards. And so there was nothing really happening that was worth testifying about because... There wasn't anybody sharing anything of the majesty of God and the glory of God with people that were unsaved. They were expecting that the preacher would do that and they would pray that God would do something for them. Now, let's turn to Joshua chapter 1 as we begin our look through this book. Joshua chapter 1, beginning with, let's... Let's go to verse 3. God is speaking to Joshua and he says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I'm thinking as I read this this week, wow, if I was Joshua, I would feel compelled to be a man, to be a leader, to be someone who can go forward with the assurance that God says, I will go with you and this is what I am sending you to do. So I want to take a moment and look at what, God says specifically to Joshua, because here in this passage are some requirements that Joshua is to follow, and then there are some promises that God makes to Joshua if he will obey God's instruction. So let's look at it. First, God says to Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. Before the Israelites could possess the land that God was going to give to them, they would first of all have to conquer it. The Canaanites were not going to walk out of the promised land just because the Israelites were saying we're coming in. The Canaanites had been there for some time. Hundreds of years before, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had claimed and lived in this land, and Abraham had been sent there by the commandment of God. And God tells Abraham, I'm going to give you this land, and this land will be for the generations that you will have, and they will be able to live in this land that I have promised you. But if you recall... Jacob and his family had left this land when there was a severe drought and they went into the land of Egypt and for 400 years they lived in a foreign land. None of the children, none of the grandchildren, none of the great-grandchildren remembered living in this land that God had promised them. They thought when they finally left Egypt that they were going to this land that had been spoken about, but they thought they themselves were going to enter into the land and take possession of it. But you recall when they got there, they were afraid because of the giants and the great walled cities. And they were afraid to enter in. And God said, because of your disobedience, because of your lack of faith, you are going to have to go back into the wilderness until you die. And your children or grandchildren will take possession of this land. Now Joshua needs strength and courage to lead the Israelites into this land that God had promised to them. God says to Joshua, I will be with you throughout your entire life. Now to us, he says, I will be with you. One of the things that was so neat after I first got married was recognizing that I had made a commitment to this lady and she had made a commitment to me that we would be joined together for our life. And I can tell you there's been ups and there's been downs. Probably she's not in here. Most of the downs have been my fault, but don't tell her that. I recognize that if it had not been for her presence in my life, So many times, I would have messed up royally. God says to me, John, I will be with you every day of your life. And Joshua wasn't the only one in scriptures to find strength and courage in God's presence. Years later, David would write in one of the most treasured and beloved psalms, Throughout history. Psalm 23. He writes in verse 4. I will fear no evil. For you. Are with me. And Joshua. Recognized that as he's about. To enter into. Not only this new land. But enter into. Many battles. God is with him throughout his life. So with these promises fresh in the minds of the Israelites who were preparing to cross the Jordan River with Jericho on the other side of the river to leave behind the 40 years of wilderness wandering, recognizing that the moment they stepped across on the other side of the river, they would be at risk. So they needed to be strong and courageous. But how were they to cross this river in front of them? They didn't have a corps of engineers to build a bridge for them. They didn't have anybody who was going to build a dam for them so that they could cross. And the river is at flood stage. And God tells them they are to cross turn to chapter 3 let's look at verses 5 through 8 and then 14 through 17 then Joshua said to the people consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you and Joshua said to the priest take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people so they took up the Ark of the Covenant and And went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I shall be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the ark of the covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. Verse 14. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the feet of the priest bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarephan. And those flowing down toward the sea of Areba, the salt sea, were completely cut off and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst or the middle of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Can you imagine what the people must have thought when God walled up the water, made an invisible dam, and so none of the water could come down upon them, and the land that they were to walk across was dry ground. This had happened once before. You remember this? At the beginning of their trek into the wilderness, the Israelites had come to this barrier of the Red Sea and the Egyptians were pursuing them. They weren't sure, what are we going to do next? How are we going to get out of this? And guys in their own strength and in their own reasoning, there was nothing they could do but God instructed Moses, I want you to take the rod and I want you to hold it out over the sea and God made the Red Sea depart. I don't know how far it departed, but on both sides, the sea walled up. And the Israelites walked across the Red Sea on dry ground. And you recall when the Egyptians wanted to pursue them in their ignorance... They decided, well, we can go through that same path and through that same place and we can catch the Israelites. And God brought the waters back together again and the Egyptians were destroyed in that sea as his chosen people were safe on the other side. That was the beginning of the wilderness journey. Now the bookend on the end of the wilderness journey is God does about the same thing only with the Jordan River because God said, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. And as I exalted Moses into leadership, I now am going to exalt you and people will recognize that I am with you. And as my presence was with Moses, so my presence will be with you. And God commanded that the Ark of the Covenant carried on the shoulders of the priest was to lead the way through the Jordan River and into the Promised Land. The Ark represented the Word, the power, and the presence of God. And God was making it clear from the start of this journey, from the start of the conquest, that he would lead the way And he would be the one that would make it possible for them to win the victory. So the waters were dammed up by the supernatural word of God. As soon as the priest stepped into the water, proving God's power, God's omnipotence once again. And guys, let me say this. There is nothing God cannot do. So as difficult as some things may be in your life right now, there is nothing that God cannot do. And once again, here in Scripture, God is showing his power and authority over the universe that he created from the largest solar system to the smallest particle. God is the creator of all things. They were all created by his word. And at his word, he does a supernatural thing that is not difficult at all for God. All he had to do was speak and it was done as God had commanded Joshua to declare all of what Moses had written to the people, he likely reminded the people of this event that their parents and grandparents had witnessed at the Red Sea some time ago. He probably reminded them that their trust in God was to be rooted in God's faithfulness in the past and in the promises that God had made for them today and in God's power that he had put on display for them and God wanted his people to remember this miracle of crossing the Jordan River on a dry riverbed but he knew they were prone to forget he knew there'd be guys in that group that were like me that had difficulty remembering some events I say guys like me I didn't say women like you because women remember everything Whenever there was a problem that happened, they can tell you what you were wearing, what the color of shirt was from four years ago or ten years ago, and you'll be thinking, man, is that true? Are you making this up? God says, I want you to remember some things. I want you to remember what I did for you on this day. And so God commands that there be a man from each tribe, and there are 12 tribes. One man is to gather a rock from the middle of the river from each tribe, and so there'll be 12 stones in total taken from the middle of the river and taken to the bank on the other side, and Joshua was to make a memorial unto the Lord for the people to observe, and this memorial was made at Gilgal, which was a um, battle camp of the Israelites. Turn with me to chapter 4, and let's read verses 20 through 24. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. I enjoy special memorial days or remembrance days. Today is one of those. Today is Mother's Day. It's been set aside to remember mothers. To remember the goodness of mothers. To remember what a godly mother is to be like. Now I know not everyone has had a godly mother. But this is a time where we set aside a special day to remember our mothers, to give thanks for them. And to recognize that a godly mother has a major role to play in the lives of her children. And as I was thinking about this last night, I was giving thanks for my mother. She's in heaven. As I was growing up, I had the privilege of knowing my mother's love. She was selfless. When we didn't have things, my father never made much money. When Christmas was coming, my mother would go get a job somewhere and make money so that she could buy for us kids gifts so that at Christmas time we would have something to open. And throughout my life, my mother was selfless. I gave my life to Jesus Christ at the age of four at my mother's knee. And throughout my life, my mother would call me when she was still alive. And she would call, not for any particular reason, but to find out how I was doing. And she would always say, I love you. Whenever anything happened in my life that was of any importance, I would call my mother. I would share with her what had happened. Hey, I just finished this project. I just completed this degree. I just finished something that was very important to me. I finished this project. And I just wanted my mother to know because she was important in my life. Today is Mother's Day. And I know she is in heaven And I believe that she is aware of what's happening. And she is rooting for me still. Memorial days. God says to Joshua, I want you to build a memorial out of rocks so that the people, your children, your grandchildren, when they ask what these rocks mean, you can share with them what the power of God did on this day. So back to our lesson. The 12 stones were set up at Gilgal, which was the Israelites' battle camp. It would provide a reminder of God's faithfulness for generations to come. And they were to gather the stones from the middle of the river where the priest stood firm with the ark symbolizing God's presence. And these stones were a reminder that God was the one who held the waters back allowing the people to cross into the promised land on dry ground. And even though God performed this miracle, the Israelites still had to take a step of faith and walk across the riverbed in obedience to what God was doing. So what does God want to do in your life? What miracles has he performed in your past? How obedient to God's word have you been? Are you making an effort to know the Word of God as God showed Joshua that he was to meditate on the law day and night, that he was to know the Word that he had given? We have been so blessed to have the Bible, God's Word, given to us. But it doesn't do any good if we don't study it, if we don't meditate on it, if we don't really know what it means and what it says. Recently when I was in England again and I was looking through one of the great cathedrals seeing the word of God on display that had been used hundreds of years ago was recognizing that the presence of God has been with this nation in the past but it doesn't mean It remains a Christian nation unless people continue to be obedient to the Word of God. If you want our nation to continue to have the blessing of God, you will have to not just know the Word, you will have to obey the Word. You'll have to be able to stand up for what is truth. So I ask you the question, are you striving to know God's word so that you can be faithful to follow God's will in your life? Like the Israelites, we are prone to forget what God has done for us. So one of the reminders that we follow is taking the Lord's Supper together. And we're almost out of time. So if I can have some ushers to pick up the uh, bread and the cups, we'll take the Lord's cup or Lord's. Supper together in celebration and as a remembrance as to what God has done. And as the servants hand out, I say the servants, those who are serving us with these, uh, hand out the bread and the cup, I want to read a scripture to you, John, as you come and uh, lead us in worship following this. And I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Verses twenty three through twenty six. And it says, For I receive from the Lord what I also delivered to you. That the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of of me, So why do we do this each Sunday? We do it in remembrance of him. And then verse 25, in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, the cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we are remembering the cross. We are remembering that he shed his blood for our sins. But we are also remembering the promise that he made I will come again. Let's stand together. We're going to take the cup and we're going to eat the bread in remembrance of him. Father, we thank you for this opportunity today to observe this as a memorial to you. So together we take the bread. You can take the bread now. And we drink the cup in remembrance of you.